Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Jeff Grammer with the Albuquerque Journal, and you are listening to the Talking Grammar Podcast. Episode 62 today of this podcast is a conversation I had with Kurt Roth, UNM graduate, New York-based real estate attorney, longtime booster of Lobo Athletics. He's been been on the board of the UNM Foundation, uh, just, just very involved in UNM um, athletics and non-athletics for, for a long time, but now is sort of I don't want to say he's retired. He's, he's certainly not. He's still a lawyer, semi-retired and focusing a lot on being sort of the, the front man and the the figure of 505 Sports Adventure Foundation. Um, not the only one involved at 505 SVF, but he is sort of the, the, the face of it, if you will. And what that is, is the local collective that is collecting money to to provide college athletes, Lobo athletes with some money in this college athletics landscape where NIL is allowed. NIL is the acronym for name, image, and likeness. The Supreme Court a few years back in in the Alston case, uh, I won't get into the weeds too much about all that, but um, basically set in motion where we are now, where where athletes can can profit a little bit off of who they are. They can actually, you know, they can make some money off of being a college athlete, whereas before the NCAA prohibited that in a multi-billion dollar college athletics industry, the only people that seem to not be able to make some revenue, I'm not talking scholarships. Yes, they got scholarships, but actually paying some bills, helping some family back home, paying the rent and going out for, for dinner and things like that. The only people that weren't actually making revenue and collecting a check for all that were the athletes themselves who played the sports that all of us watch and enjoy watching and following. So it was it was sort of ridiculous. Lawmakers agreed. The Supreme Court unanimously agrees. Um, it, it, we're beyond the point now where there's a any sort of legal debate. Fans may not like it because they don't get to see their favorite player kind of being locked in to a situation where they have to return to their school. Now there's a lot of transferring. There's a lot of a lot of things that give the players rights, things that make fans and coaches uncomfortable a little bit. But guess what? It's the right thing to do. And it is the only way for a college athletic uh, department now to compete with their peers in a world where athletes can get a little bit of money. It's through NIL and it's through collectives like the 505 Sports Venture Foundation that Kurt Roth um, and I spoke about today. There's a lot of questions about NIL. And frankly, I just had a 45-minute conversation with Kurt about all this. I still have a lot of questions. I don't fully understand some of the mechanisms of how this operates. If you're expecting specific dollar figures on how much a, a Lobo athlete might be making, that is not something that is, is going to happen in this podcast because Kurt isn't going to tell me. I can tell you in a more general sense that as of June 30th, when this fiscal year ends, it looks like the 505 Sports Venture Foundation will have paid 32 Lobo athletes $525,000 for this current fiscal year. Some of that is as athletes that got as low as about $200 payments to make an appearance at an event or something like that. Some of them are in the six-figure range. There are some Lobo athletes who this past year and this coming year, there will be more who get paid basically six figures to be a Lobo athlete, to, to participate in sports at UNM because that is what the market dictates. They would be doing that at another school, maybe a rival Mountain West school for an awful lot of money too, if not for the NIL collective at UNM, which I can tell you coaches outside the Mountain West Conference and coaches at other schools outside of UNM have told me is legitimately competitive, as good as any program outside of the top tier mountain or power conference schools, UNM's collective is off to a really good start with this, but they need more help. They're asking fans to to participate a little bit more in chipping in and helping the collective raise some funds. Kurt has aspirations of having about a $3 million, a little north of $3 million annual pool. So all Lobo athletes can get at least a little bit of NIL money. There's like 400 athletes at UNM. So his goal is ultimately to have all of them. Not Again, not all of them making a, a significant amount or life-changing amount of money. But he wants every Lobo athlete of every sport to get at least a little bit of money. Certainly the, the women's cross-country team with its success is a priority of his to figure out how to get them some NIL money. Lobo basketball, which brings in the most revenue in terms of ticket money uh, at UNM, is sort of the one that he, he got started on. He's a big Lobo basketball fan, of course, and has been since he was a, a UNM student in the 1970s, late 70s. Basketball gets started. Football's the the driving force of all the money in college athletics, really. So he will expand the NIL collective to start helping football out an awful lot more. By having a football team, UNM brings in a ton of revenue through its TV market share and some media market or media rights stuff. But um, the football team itself doesn't make nearly as much revenue in terms of local ticket revenue as the Lobo basketball team. And, and to help that, 
Maybe they need some better players that NIL can help. And, and Danny Gonzalez recently spoke about that. We wrote about it in the journal. Kurt Roth talks about a lot, a lot of this stuff. A lot of questions still yet to be answered. But in this 45-minute conversation, I hope you and and uh, the readers of the journal, when they see a Sunday package in Sunday's journal, can get a get a little better understanding of where this money goes, how the the mechanism, the, the payment mechanism to these players works, how how a collective knows who to pay and what to pay them. Those kind of things are things we discuss in this episode of the Talking Grammar Podcast. Hope you enjoy my conversation with Kurt Roth. Kurt, first of all, thanks for for finally sitting down with me, not finally on your end by any stretch of the imagination. You've you've been open to to having this conversation about NIL for a long time. I've I've kind of delayed it a little bit because I keep having more questions. So I don't write the story. I don't don't put out the podcast because I keep having this mentality in my mind, maybe the, the reporter in me. I don't want to write the story till it's complete. But the, the reality is there's just questions that keep coming up with this because it's so new. You have all the answers that there can be for now, I would think. So that's sort of where I'm at. And um, what I'm talking about is, is the NIL, name, image, likeness, money going to players. I think let's let's start with why you're the guy kind of running up the 505 Sports Venture um, foundation, fund, foundation Fund? Foundation. Foundation. Why are you the point man on New Mexico's collective that's uh, gathering money to, to help pay some players? Well, first, thanks for having me on. Uh, I look forward to this for quite some time. Uh, that's a real good question. Um, why me? I saw an opportunity, I guess. I graduated from UNM in 77. So this August will be 50 years I got off the plane. Uh, I was a basketball guy from the East Coast. When I got here, the Lobos won the WAC championship the first year I was here. They were led by a player out of Brooklyn, Bernard Harden. And the atmosphere in the pit was incredible. Uh, I come from Madison Square Garden, where the Knicks were the dominant team in the NBA. I know that's hard to believe. Uh, and fit right in here. It was great. I became smitten. Uh, and uh, basically... I was a Lobo forever. Um, in the 90s, I had the financial wherewithal, wherewithal to come back when Kenny Thomas was playing top 10 teams. Yeah. Lobos were in the top 10. So I became a, a booster. I was involved with closely with the administration at UNM Basketball, starting with Fran Frischilla, who was from the neighborhood. Yeah. I literally, at the time he got the job, his mom lived two doors down from my office in Brooklyn. So New York has a big piece of, of, of all of this, I guess, and you're part of, of all this. Yeah, that's a weird thing. People say, well, how does a New York guy get into this? Well, I, I got into it in the 70s as an 18-year-old kid. Uh, I do tell people that based on the, the government support here in, uh, in the 70s and the way the state funded the university, uh, it was easy for me to become a resident, and my tuition for four years was less than $3,000, which was the best deal I've ever gotten in my life. And I've sat at real estate tables and done over $2 billion worth of transactions, and this was the best deal. So it's kind of my way of giving back. Now, as an attorney, I was fascinated by the, the, the law and the change, and I watched it go through the court system because one of my best friends from... 10th grade, a UNM graduate, Robert Von Pence, helped fund the litigation and uh, that the National Collegiate Players Association brought that got this to the Supreme Court. So I was aware of what was going on for years before it happened. Then when the Supreme Court came down with the decision, 9 nothing, in uh, NCAA versus Alston, I said, wait a minute, what does this mean? So I watched from afar and the New Mexico legislature ran in feet first, jumped in feet first, passed the law uh, on April 7th, uh, 2021, which was my birthday. <laughs> so I won't forget that date. And the law went into effect July 1 of 2021. Um, I was curious about what it really meant because there was a logical, there was a concept of what it was. And then the legal ramifications to me signaled something different. I think, too, it's worth pointing out for, again, a lot of people, I think, listening to this and, and maybe reading what I put in the in the journal might be new to this entirely. When they hear legislature got involved in, in Supreme Court and all this stuff, um, they start thinking it maybe is a political matter. Like, this has been universal, both sides of the aisle, um, pretty much across the country, both sides of the aisle have supported 
this in every state. Is is that pretty fair? To yeah, there's been only recently uh, the, star- the NCAA has tried to push back in Congress, uh, and it's so far been a futile attempt. But yeah, it's not a political issue. I mean, the Supreme Court ruled nine nothing yep. that, and they didn't mention NIL in the decision. NIL is just a, a, an acronym for name, image, and likeness, which has kind of come to cover whatever this is. Yeah. Uh, and it means different things in different states. Uh, New Mexico has a great little statute that in addition to student athletes being able to monetize their name, image, and likeness, third parties, and third parties means anyone but UNM, can provide housing, food, and insurance to student athletes. It doesn't have to be in exchange for anything. So it's a, a whole new ball game. I talked to Danny Granger, this was several years ago, I was on a podcast, maybe I'll pull the audio and run it, but he, when it came to, obviously the, the conversation about paying players has been around for a little while. Nobody knew exactly what that meant or how that would come, come about, but this isn't a new concept or a new idea, and the NCAA kind of punted for years on actually getting something done about it. But Danny Granger had mentioned to me once, he remembered within just blocks of wherever he lived when he was here playing basketball at UNM, there was a McDonald's billboard with his picture on it. And he, he, he remembers to this day that McDonald's billboard that he was on, and he sometimes didn't have money to run down to McDonald's to grab dinner if they didn't eat that night or something like that. Now, he was fine. You know, he, he wasn't – there are some cases where, where players just don't have any money at all, but he remembers being like a college kid, and sometimes you're just broke. You don't have enough money to go grab dinner that night, so you eat whatever's in the, in the cupboard or whatever. But he remembers, and he told me that story on air. You know, of course players should be getting paid something. It's ridiculous that I can be on the McDonald's billboard, but I can't run down to McDonald's and, and buy some dinner. So that's the extreme example. Some people don't like hearing those examples because, frankly, I don't think a lot of people believe those examples. But, but it is – years in the making that players have sort of been helping others make money because of their name, image, and likeness, and not being able to benefit from that at all themselves, which is sort of sort of a weird thing that I think all the lawmakers have jumped on board with. They're like, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. And that seems to be where we're at. Um, is that sort of where we're at now that players can just make money, um, earn a little income on their name, image, likeness? Or is is it beyond just like billboards? I think a lot of people assumed it was billboards, or I know there's one local company doing you know, food items at their, at their restaurant with, with the player's name and stuff. It, it goes beyond just that kind of stuff, right? And just beyond T-shirts and stuff like that. Oh, no doubt about it. What it, what it translates to is that a group like ours and the collectives, we're a collective. So when a local company does a direct deal with the student athlete, that's fine. But I think that's sort of a misuse of the money. Yeah. Uh, bottom line is we can pay students to use their name, image, and likeness and then market it um, for future deals. But to get to student athlete to the campus requires an opportunity once they get here. They have to know that they can get, we will guarantee X dollars, for instance, right. for a student in their position. Now, we still are abiding by the um, uh, NCAA recommendations. And the NCAA has made recommendations, not law. Yeah, I was going to – I don't know how comfortable you are saying it. These NCAA recommendations, um, while a university wants to play by them and should, and you guys have a partnership with UNM, and that's what you guys are abiding by them, I don't know how many of these NCAA recommendations would hold up in the court of law if, if challenged. I don't think any of them, but, but where that's not the point, right? Uh, Not the point. However, you can look clearly and see some of the big schools, the SEC schools don't pay any attention to the recommendations. When, when you hear, uh, and these are the unique stories, but when you hear that a Tennessee high school quarterback was dickering with a $13 million deal, you know, they were making a direct offer. Uh, at UNM, based on our partnership with the university, we follow the recommendations. We do not, we, even though it would be legal under the statute for me to go to a high school player in El Paso and say, I want you to come here. We can offer you $20,000 a year. We do not do that. We make it known that we have NLIL opportunities. We basically cannot be specific in what they are. 
So we can negotiate with a player for their uh, NIL um, uh, opportunity once they're on campus and, and in the program, and well, that's it. Along those lines, I'm, I'm, I want to get into, I'll ask you some more specifics, however many you can answer. I, you, you'll know the answer to that. But before we do that, I want to make sure we get the, the name and how people can join and, and sort of what that structure is. And then I want to get into specifics. So 505 Sports Venture it has a website, and has social media. If you're following social media, you probably have seen it if you're a Lobo fan. But why don't you kind of give the rundown of how people can join it and what exactly you guys are doing with the players? Okay, that's a great question. Um, our, our website is 505sports.org. That's 505sports.org. And there is a donation uh, page uh, there. And you can, you know, I'm looking for someone to click on through PayPal and give us a million dollars. So <laughs> far, that hasn't happened. Uh, we are now moving to a different uh, uh, pay venue in the very near future. I'll talk about that when it's in place. But for now, go to 505sports.org. Now, I have said from the get-go that uh, you, New Mexico is unique in its loyalty to uh, UNM sports. But I don't have Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates or T. Boone Pickens knocking on my door. So what we need, I've talked about this in terms of uh, uh, the Green Bay Packers being a publicly traded community-owned team in a very small town. Um, New Mexico needs community support. Our group has various levels. And we, are, we have what's called um, um, the uh, initial level, the uh, become part of the pack. And it's a $20 per month reoccurring donation, $240 a year. Uh, we're looking to get between four and 5,000 people at that level, which adds up to somewhere around a million dollars a year. So that's our basic. We have now come up with a catalyst club because we're looking to fund our infrastructure. This is not a pass through. We are a real company. We're a real foundation. We will get 501c3 status eventually from the feds. And then we're looking, the Catalyst Club consists of people who donate $2,500 or more in a year. And so we're starting at that level. And we've got a lot of interest in it. People who go to the pit or go to the football games can say, hey, $20 a month, I have an ownership interest in this team. Through our social media, which is unparalleled in the state of New Mexico, we will give access to behind the scenes information, podcasts, interviews. Uh, we'll have contests where people will be getting taken to practice, that type of thing. Uh, that's all being rolled out in the very near future. Uh, you know, we took this from a two man operation to a real foundation and it's happening. For the question and, and the people wondering where the money goes, obviously the players right now are getting all of it. Eventually, some of this money is going to have to go to the overhead. Um, oh yeah, uh, that's the that's the foundation. That's the catalyst club. We have yeah. we, we but, so all of that money would go towards actually running the foundation, uh, or uh, no, not all the money. Um, the catalyst, some of the well, you you explain it. The, the catalyst club is just the people paying for the foundation. Well, yeah, that's just the donation level. The money all goes into the same pot. We okay. are building an infrastructure. Yeah. Uh, we will have, through the generosity of a donor, we will have a old-style office cool. with a studio. Uh, we do have costs in production. Okay. If you go to our uh, Instagram page, it's 505SportsNM, I believe. Uh, uh, the work there of our, our partner, Sobel Solutions, is incomparable. Uh, it's a group of three guys from Albuquerque who do the best work in the state. It's, and it's not even close. So uh, that's what we're expanding. There are there are costs, but no one in our on our board has taken a dime in income or salary uh, at the start. Now, to make it an ongoing right. continuing foundation, we will have to pay people to help us. Right. Uh, but that's not what's happening. Every dime, I'd say in our first year, which will end um, in June of this year, that 90% of the money raised went to student athletes, maybe more. What um, specifically would be kind of a goal in terms of how much you guys are going to collect per year to run both the, the business side of it, the, the infrastructure and the foundation, but also then to fund the athletes? And who all are you hoping to fund? Is it just right now, primarily it's been basketball, but it's, it's certainly not a basketball only thing. In fact, at most places, people think of football more, I right. think. 
Correct. The big, you know, football is the money maker in most places. We concentrated on men's basketball because that's the ticket seller here. And also with the smaller rosters, the easiest to impact. However, our goal is as follows. Great question. I want to raise three and a half million dollars a year. And I want every student athlete at UNM, every single student athlete to have an NIL deal. 400 or something, isn't it? Uh, Something like that. It doesn't matter. We want to get every. One of my examples that I love is is the women's cross country team. Yeah, a dominant team in the Mountain West, the fifteen or sixteen straight titles, second in the nation. They're on partial scholarships. We have three or four graduate students, a couple from the Ivy League. They're exemplary students. They're great competitors, and they pay for room and board and food. And they have to scrounge to go to the food store. And that's not changing from the NCAA side of things. Um, there's a lot of schools that certainly, frankly, just can't afford to pay all that kind of stuff for all their athletes. That's, that's where you guys maybe have the opportunity. It's not just about getting some rich, high-profile players uh, or get some high-profile players rich. It's about getting all the athletes kind of make up for the rest of that scholarship that I think a lot of people just assume they're all on, and they're not. They're not. They're not. I mean, when, you know... Uh, in my law office in New York, I had an all American, I had an associate lawyer who worked for me who was an all American track star at Texas on scholarship, but a partial scholarship. And he said on the weekends, they were hungry <laughs> every weekend. He's, he was a guy who competed in the Olympics and he was hungry at Texas. So we're trying to make, and, and this obviously is to make UNM a destination that student athletes in all sports want to come to. There's no doubt about it. It's it's a whole new business and it helps with the recruitment of the student athlete. We want the best student athletes to attend the university. I'll jump into some of the specifics now and what you guys are currently doing. People hear numbers thrown around. Um, people, uh, fr- frankly, I don't know how, how realistic some of those numbers are, but I think also Maybe when you hear those numbers, we need to know about like the payment mechanism. Are these, when we hear some player, you mentioned a Tennessee quarterback at 13 million. Let's just say we hear a number that a player is getting a million dollars. I don't think that's happening at New Mexico. I think it's safe to say a million isn't happening just yet per player. But um, for that is the basis to my generic question. When we hear a million dollars, that's probably over the course of a year. Like when we talk about a coach's salary, we talk about what they make in a year. Do they get paid per month? Do they get a lump sum? Does it end at the end of the season if a player is transferring? Does, does you, do you guys have a, a, a contract in writing of some sort that kind of spells out when they stop getting that money? And um, how does all that kind of, how does the, the structure, the paying mechanism work for you guys? Well, it depends on the individual player and the amount of okay. payment. But yes, we have a written contract. Part of our success so far is that we have done this by the book like a real business. And the word got out uh, because we also under the law, the players can have agents. And I have dealt with three agents so far. (laughs) And our success in memorializing by a written contract and in fulfilling our obligations under the contract has got us a great reputation across the country. Uh, now agents are acting as headhunters and reaching out to us. It's a strange business. But nonetheless, we have a simple written contract that's completely in favor of the player, that, but does list payments. We generally do them quarterly, and whatever the agreement is, whether it's a million dollars or a thousand dollars, the payments are usually every three months. And they are in exchange for, first, the student athlete must be eligible, must be in good standing at the university and on the team, and has to give us at least one appearance a month uh, where we use his, their, his or her name, image, and likeness. And that can be in a variety of ways. A variety of ways, exactly. Our next stage, which we are rolling out as part of our 501c3, is through our partnership with Sobel, we will hit... Uh, and contact almost every charity that's registered in the state and in essence do promotions for them. So you will see a student, let's say Jamal Mashburn, talk about the New Mexico Children's Cancer Fund. And maybe it's not necessarily with 
people receiving the benefit. Maybe it's, you know, advertising one of their fundraising events or whatever it is. And that's the future of this. So in exchange for funds received, the player uh, will appear and do those those ads, basically. And you guys would be setting that up through them um, just as sort of your, I guess, end of the bargain. Um, your side of the deal is to a player comes to you and gets money to be in this collective and a member or, or however you phrase it, um, a contract uh, employees, the 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 taboo word to use on the NCAA side, but with you guys, I guess they're a contract. They're contractors. contractors, Right. And you guys then, your end of the deal is to then use them in a way that gets you guys, like what do you guys get out of it other than what you said earlier, which is we're we're fans and we're boosters. Well, we get to use their name, image, and likeness and promote the individual and local charities and also obviously local businesses. That's the next step. Um, as I said, our contracts are player friendly. Yeah. They are non-exclusive. So if Nike shows up on Jalen House's door and he's in contract with us and they want to give him a million You're not going to get in the way. J- Jalen, go <laughs> ahead. Take it. We yeah. get nothing of it. We do have a small percentage that we will keep if we, outside our contractual obligation, bring in someone who wants to do... Uh, a, 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 if you brought in Nike or something, if we brought in Nike, then yes, we get a we get a relatively small percentage <laughs> of that. Nothing like the uh, agencies get, and um, and that's what we're looking for. That so, we're if looking. we see Jamal Mashburn Jr., Jalen House, any Lobo basketball player in the next year doing, they show up on a commercial for, you know, any any local nonprofit. Like it might have just not crossed any fan's mind in the past. Oh, they're doing something for UNM. That's what UNM does sometimes. But now it's probably through you guys, and they're probably getting a little something out of that, not from that charity, but probably through their partnership well, with that, you guys. That's part of, they'd be fulfilling their contract, yeah. and that will be the obligation of everyone who has an NIL deal with us. All right, so the next question, um, and I'll ask it. I, I, I know what the answer probably is going to be. What kind of money are we talking about here? What How much are Lobo's getting paid? Can you say... How much a local basketball player is getting paid? Well, it varies. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll just say this. We had 32 at this year. We're not complete. with the Our, our year runs from July to June. Yeah. By the end of June, we will have paid 32 UNM athletes, and that's across the board, football, basketball, and women, men's basketball and women's basketball, I believe $525,000. And that's the first year. That's a start. Your goal is to get that up to North three and a half million dollars. Is I want to raise three and a half million dollars, which we probably could pay out at a three and a half million dollar budget. We could probably pay out three point two just directly to student athletes. That's what we could have. None of this, be, if it goes through the university, and th- this is sort of where the maybe it's in the weeds for some people, but as a journalist, this is the the question mark I have. You guys are now in a partnership or on some level with UNM. Stuff that goes through UNM as a state university has to be transparent, has to be open, has to be public. But you guys aren't exactly in that same category, at least not right now. Um, if if we put in an IPRA request, um, Inspection and Public Records Act, would we get a payroll? Would we get a list of what the athletes are getting? And should we? No. No, you no, you should not. <laughs> but we will have certain disclosure um obligations under the if we become a when we become a 501c3 i can imagine that i have will have no problem giving a balance sheet out and i do have a balance sheet now a proposed one we haven't finished the year yet well and you just mentioned the 525 yeah i mean i have no problem i mean i want to show our donors what their partners are with um again no one's drawn a salary i have a couple of consultants and i have a working agreement with sobel and uh we do some ads uh, you may hear us on the radio. We paid for advertising. But uh, obviously, the more we raise, the higher percentage will go to the student athletes. So uh, again, we will be, uh, I'm, I'm going to be as transparent as I can. I have certain privacy, you know, issues sure. between the, the, the contract fee and us. I can't, you know, that's up to the student athlete if they want to divulge. I can tell you we have student athletes receiving as little as $200 yeah. for a one-time thing. Uh, so it varies greatly. When 
I'm not going to belabor this, but I'm going to ask one follow-up to that. When I hear um, certain schools say, oh, you know, we weren't going to be able to compete with that six-figure salary for this Lobo basketball transfer either this past year or this current cycle. And I, th- I mean, obviously that's been out there. I don't think you're – you're certainly not unaware of some of that talk. Um, what do you – first of all, what do you think of when you hear that? Is there some truth to coaches sort of fabricating that number in a way somehow that it benefits them, coaches of other schools? And uh, how important is it to get that number right? I mean, is, is that rule it, it's, re- it's really frustrating. Actually, I, I, I'm not going to put words in your mouth. I think there's only one source that's actually given us credit for paying yep. a specific number. Well, I'll, I'll mention it. I mean, San Diego Union Tribune and Mark Ziegler, a reporter, mentioned $150,000 for um, a Lobo transfer. Is that number in the ballpark? Do you want to even go there? Well, here's what I can say. I really like Mark Ziegler as a reporter. He's a little emotional, a little bit of a homer, but I love to read him. I'm stunned that he would print some number like that without zero verification. Like, at least I would think he might ask someone to deny it. Uh, Let me tell you this. I'll go this far. His numbers are wrong. Okay. His numbers are wrong. Now... If the University of Miami wants to pay $2.25 million to basketball players and we want to compete and say we pay a million dollars, I mean, there's 13 guys. Yeah. Do the math. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't need to, but I can't disclose any individuals. Uh, you know, that's a privacy issue. But yeah, Ziegler, it was odd. I was kind of, he, he had sort of a very aggressive article, two, two of them, but he only named UNN. And I think they're scared because... Their structure. Well, let's talk about this. I don't know if you want to talk about their structure specifically. Uh, Obviously, it's just prefaced with we know who we're talking about now. But some schools have a different structure than what UNM and what you guys are doing right now. Right. Some do. Uh, the collective is, is, the, is the, the best structure. I have heard stories. And I don't want to re- mention schools because yeah. we get called by agents. Some big-time schools that are mentioned on every single player. You'll see a few of them. Every yep. transfer lists Podunk State. Well, I've heard really poor uh, reports on some of them where they're not collectives. The team, the, the administration will cobble together donors and the car guy will give 50, the tire guy will give 60, the finance guy will give 100, and then the kid gets hurt. And guess what? There's no contract. There's no payments. And I've heard two stories about two of the biggest schools out there that have basically stiffed players. And so our reputation, all our contracts are are guaranteed. Uh, And all our contract payments are made. And so our reputation is great. Um, You know, I don't know. It's not public. There's a lot of posturing between coaches. And the coaches now are dialing that back. Yeah. I think I read something about uh, San Diego State paying student-athletes $2,000 a month. Yeah, I, I, I wonder, is that for 12 months? Is that for six months? Yeah. Uh, are they telling me that the San Diego basketball budget is $100,000 a year? Well, let me ask you this along those lines. If a school with that structure has this mentality, and some people sound make make it sound like it's this really noble thing that they're doing, everybody gets paid the same. We're a team. We don't want this jealousy in the locker room. And, and before this became a reality a couple of years ago, that was a big fear that people talked about is we don't want to create locker room situations where one player is getting paid more than the other. Um, what do you say to that notion, to the, to the idea that this somehow is going to break apart locker rooms because a player may get more NIL money than their teammate? I, you know, it, you have to equate it, uh, I'll be frank, to a professional sports situation if players are getting paid that can always be an issue that's an issue for the administ- for the for the team and 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 here's one of the odd factors in this is ultimately if you're able to pay players the school should be paying the players and then they can or they can control it even more the idea that a third party has to raise money and becomes an independent arm of the school is a bizarre result I don't think in the long run this system continues. It could be five or ten years. It's something will, will shake out. But that's a you're going to have that, and that's part of the recruitment of of athletes. Schools need to recruit 
good kids, kids who are serious about academics, kids who get what being on a team is. Uh, and But you're always going to have that scenario. Yeah. Sooner or later, somebody doesn't get playing time. Somebody's pissed off. Uh, and you're seeing with transfers, uh, uh, players are, get, are transferring or going into the portal and winding up nowhere. Yeah. So now, yes, some of that it's, happened it's, before, but it's no, happening at a little it, bit higher rate now. I I think that's fair to say. But it's something to manage. It, it is in effect a result of of a students getting paid. Absolutely. Uh, there's no way around it. What is the um, structure and how you you mentioned this briefly earlier, but I want to kind of get into a little more of the specifics. How does Five Hundred Five Sports Venture Foundation know what? player to talk with um, in the transfer process. Is that brought to you by UNM? Can it be brought to you by UNM now? Which players you can speak with? And at what point do you talk specifics? Like if they have questions, if a parent, if a player has questions about what what are we talking about? How much money am I going to get if I go to UNM? At what point can you step in? And when do you know how much you as the collective can offer? Well, we, 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 we're doing projections now. You know, we have budget holes to fill. Yeah. Uh, And we have a lot of fundraising to do. But the way it works is UNM, you know, uh, maybe it's not Richard Patino, maybe it's one of the assistant coaches who will say we have a strong collective or we have a horrible collective or I'm not sure about the collective. When they're they, talking to when the, they're talking to a prospective okay. recruit, they can give them my contact and one of myself or a team member can say, well, you know, we believe that a player at your level might be able to obtain X. Uh, so it's a little bit of a strange discussion. No, they, all things, all negotiations are finalized after the student athlete gets to campus. So there is Commit a big, signs and there everything. is a big leap. They have to be on campus. I don't want, I cannot talk to them until they, our rules are they must reside, not be a resident, okay. reside in, in New Mexico. Okay. So whether it's Lobo Village, they have their own apartment, they have to be here, they have to be registered uh, as a, a student. Then we talk. So there's a huge leap of faith for the student. Huge they, leap of faith. That said, they have a good understanding of what the what what their leap of faith what, what is. What the parameters on. could yeah. be. Correct. Yeah. Okay. We can discuss parameters vaguely, very vaguely. Uh, and this goes for any any collect any setup anywhere in the country. I, I can't comment on what the law. I, Hey, I can't comment on what the schools are doing. Under the law in New Mexico, if I follow black letter law in New Mexico, I can call any kid I want and offer them. There's no, the NCAA made up this inducement as a recommendation under the law. Can you imagine hiring someone to be a, 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 a reporter at the journal? And you can't talk numbers. Yeah. Like who does? What, what business is that? That's the NCAA grasping. And, and at UNM, I understand, um, you know, there was discussion, what's happening at Alabama, what's happening at Georgia, and someone at, I'll, <laughs> who will go nameless at UNM said, well, we don't want to be Cleveland State. So if you know the old Tarkanian yeah. line that North Carolina pissed off the NCAA so much, they put Cleveland State on another year of probation. Right. We are adhering to that because we know that the NCAA won't pick on Duke and they won't pick on Alabama. But they could come to New Mexico and say, what are you doing? Yeah. So we're following their recommendations. You uh, obviously have the lawyer's mind. You're a lawyer. Um, are, are you still practicing law at all? Practicing law. I have an ongoing business that I've handed over to some young associates in New York. I'm still active. You're still active. I have a license to practice law in New Mexico also, which is active. I am curious at what point the, the lawyer in you just, man, want get, gets either frustrated or worked up enough that you just – you want to go pick that fight. Um, it's not going to, probably not going to happen as long as you guys have this cooperative uh, kind of partnership with UNM. Um, but man, the, the NCAA is putting up recommendations that aren't going to stand up in court. You know that, but I guess it doesn't serve you a whole lot of good right now to, to try and pick that fight, I guess. I would not want to pick that fight because I don't want to distract us from our goals. However, I have told people, that if the NCAA came after the 505 SVF, <laughs> the result would be the last 10 seconds of one shining moment would be me sitting outside the pit smoking a cigar. Because <laughs> that would be part of the settlement I would ask for from the NCAA. Be because they have, and they are scared. I, I can't imagine them going after an Ohio State 
or a, yeah. a BYU, even a BYU. There was talk early on where a BYU booster said, I'm gonna, we don't need scholarships. I'm going to pay everyone's tuition. I'm going to pay it The all. NCAA apparently wrote a letter and said, we don't like this. And then about a week later, they said, well, we don't have any feelings on collectives because I'm sure some law firm in Salt Lake City wrote a scathing letter saying, get out of our face. Yeah. I am a duly registered New Mexico not-for-profit corporation applying for charitable status. So I'm a third party. I, I, the NCAA should leave me alone. I'll leave them alone. But we are following their recommendations. Out of good faith, I guess. To a T. Because I, New Mexico doesn't need the notoriety. We, don't, like, we have great people here and a great population who needs Lobo, who, who benefits by Lobo sports being And frankly, it's working right now. It's what working. What you guys are doing seems to be in your, uh, year one. I am getting feedback from the people outside of UNM, uh, bloggers, lawyers, and agents who are very impressed with where we are. I jumped in from the get-go because I saw an opportunity. That's how it was described to me by somebody I talked to, is that you, you seem to jump in pretty quickly. Some places don't have... The Kurt Roth to, to to head that up. Some people kind of in their spare time are doing it. You had a little more time maybe to throw at it, but um, maybe not. I don't know. But you you threw a lot of time and, and effort of understanding what how to set this up. Long term though, you guys are going to need probably more than than a semi retired or close to retiring attorney running this thing. You you guys are going to have to have some people that are you know <laughs> frankly probably younger and long term want to make this their job as opposed to. I don't know if you call it a retirement gig that you're doing or, or a, this is my payback, but whatever you call what you're doing now isn't really probably the long-term business model, is it? No. I'm 68 years old. I don't know how long I'm going to be around. Yeah. Uh, no, I want this to be an ongoing, functioning uh, New Mexico not-for-profit company. Huh. So we'll need a staff. We'll need you know, succession uh, <laughs> plan. Uh, my significant other is already asking me about that uh, as we have dual lives in New York and New Mexico. I have been here pretty much full time since July of last year. So it's my the primary focus and we're doing it's getting busier. Two other points I want to talk on maybe would have been better during um, some of the stuff we already talked about, but I probably skipped over it. Um, international players. What is the student visa situation? Can they? Can they not get any NIL money? Is there a way you can explain how a player who might be on a student visa might be able to benefit from it? Well, the, the way it's happened is, again, this is not, has nothing to do with the NCAA. The student visa is the United States federal government right, right. that regulates what type of income you can make. My basic understanding, and we are exploring this, and there has been, a, there's history already, but I have retained a an expert immigration attorney. We're working on this. It's crazy we're, that we're even having that, like that phrase is getting into a sports podcast here, but that's where the business of all this is. That's where the business is. Well, we yeah. rely on, and we have recruits who have visited UNM in the last couple of three weeks who are on student visas. We have a student uh, now who's on a student yeah. visa at UNM. Um, my understanding now, and I need clarification from the immigration folks, is that in theory, a school could pay a player for their name, image, and likeness in the country that they reside in. So a player could, I think there was a Bahamian company doing this that was getting players on those trips, those ESPN yeah. tournaments. I think the Kentucky kid, and I'm blanking on Oscar his name. Yeah. Uh, took a bunch of photos in the Bahamas. And his NIL deal was paid to wherever he lives, to a bank account that he has in whatever country he's from wasn't the Bahamas and his pick his name image and likeness stuff was taken overseas. He's just selling shirts now. I think out of those photos and he did a photo shoot or something. Uh, yeah, there you go. I mean, it's a, it's, it's not an NCAA rule. Uh, so we are, we, because UNM has in the history, especially like I mentioned the, the, the women's cross country team, they have uh, a, a few lot of players. Yeah. yeah. And we want to make it uh, work for internet. If we can, I'm certainly not, it wouldn't put us in jeopardy. It would put the students' yeah. ability to stay in the United States. I think that's what people need to know, too, though. Like, you you aren't going to get in trouble if you guys do something wrong. It's the student. So the students It's are always the that, right. It's always the student or the university. Or the university. So we have to work. To we, you know, again, UNM took their time. And, and I think you, if you went to the top over at the athletic department, they are clear. 
This was so radical a change. Yeah. And change is scary for everyone. They had to grasp it. They had to get whip their heads around it. And they had to see forward. And, and, and from Eddie Nunez on down, Dave Williams has been in this incredible help. They figured it out. We're licensed partners. They're, they understand the need and they're great supporters. So we would never do anything that, that's why I'm consulting to top experts. The foreign thing is strange. Um, but we have a lot of uh, international athletes who are at UNM and want to come to UNM. So uh, we, ha- we want to make sure we get that right. The last part I was going to ask and should have done it earlier is, is what does what do you um, specifically you, but also the people that are part of this collective, even as low as the twenty dollar a month, maybe donor or or maybe more specifically the bigger donors. Like, what do you guys get out of this? Uh, I I think you guys are going to have some practices that might be set up just for um, you guys. If I heard that correctly, somebody told me you guys might have some practices this coming year. If if not, correct me. But it, like, do you guys get anything? specific to the teams out of this thing? Uh, yeah, we will. We're, we're working on that. You're going to get incredible behind-the-scenes contact, again, okay. digital, because our film guys, Sobel, is on site, and you know we have access to use their name, image, and likeness. We will have events, for events, sure. Okay. But basically, the bigger donors, and, and again, this is a, a trickle-down. I hate to use that uh, <laughs> uh, uh, phrase, but... Such a political guy. There's no doubt <laughs> that the success of UNM basketball, UNM football draws 20, 25, 30, 35,000 people. How that helps, first, as a donor, even at the lowest level, you have a hand in that. You have an ownership interest, an equitable interest. And what, can you imagine, can you imagine, I, I, I met a, a, a business group at Tanawan the Tuesday morning after the San Diego State Championship game. And I may, I raised, I said, who's showing hands? Who has season tickets? And like eight, who belongs to the Lobo Coast? 12 people. Who went to UNM? 25 people. Can you imagine what it would be like in this town if the Lobos were playing on Monday night? And the benefit to the business, first the school, tickets sold. That's obvious. Yeah. The atmosphere, this is our major league team. This is our deal. And the pride, I mean, we've been, New Mexico went through a real, Tough time with COVID. Uh, the basketball team has been mediocre until this year for nine years. And we still didn't win half our games in the conference. Uh, we have room to improve. People were hungry for it. G- good times are coming and we're going to make it happen. So not only do you get a proprietary interest, you get access, but you get a sense that you helped bring this thing back. And as a, as a, a as a Lobo for life and someone who's coming back to, retire in Albuquerque, the, the difference you make in supporting this program is, is off the charts. Uh, and, and I think it benefits everyone who's here uh, when UNM Athletics is successful. This is teeing it up for you for the closing here. But in the NIL world, will a Midwest, Midwest a mid-major, Mountain West level type school, mid-major, my phrase for people that get upset when I say that, um, I heard somebody at the Final Four, by the way, call the Mountain West a mid-major plus. I think that's probably accurate because they're not a power conference. I, I agree with that. But if we're doing it by conference, anyway, can a Mountain West level program, can a University of New Mexico compete with the big boys that everyone considers the big boys in an NIL world? I love that question. The answer is, of course, we have to compete, not can we. We must. And I had that example occur i talked about this at the first lobo mountain west football game i was in the zia section and and i was introduced to three let's say fairly well to do 50 year old uh new mexicans and somebody said he's doing the nil and one guy said oh i heard about that and the other guy said well we can't compete with texas and my i had a vein pop out of my neck and i looked at him i said a of course we can compete with Texas. Maybe we don't get the money they get, but we can compete with Texas. Two, we're playing Boise State. And if we don't compete with Boise State, let's go play Highlands, Eastern, Western, and let's start a league there. But yes, we can compete with Texas. They're not in our league, but we must compete with San Diego State, Boise, Fresno, and UNLV.
or we shouldn't do this. You having fun doing this? A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Because I meet people who are enthusiastic about the University of New Mexico. I meet people who are working for the University of New Mexico who feel it, that things are getting better, the success of the basketball team. I mean, we're the last undefeated team in the country. How cool was that, seeing a logo on the map? Let's get football bowl eligible. Uh, Coach G's brought in some really good ball players this year. We have a quarterback who throws the ball downfield. We have a top-notch running back and a big-time wide receiver or two. We're going to be much improved there. And then when we get the NIL going for football, we're going to be con- consistently good. So it's exciting. And, yes, I have fun. I think this thing, you know, paying back University of Mexico is something I've done and always wanted to do. Doing it in the athletic area is something that I was made to do. Kurt, I appreciate it. This is again, kind of been a long time coming. I know that's on my end, not yours. You've always been open to doing this, but I appreciate you for sitting down on this. Um, I'm going to put this podcast together. I'm going to have people just listen to our conversation. I'm also going to write a story, but there will be other questions that arise from this that I go back and listen and realize I didn't ask you. There's going to be questions as this evolves over the next year or two. Um, hopefully you'll be open to, to answering those as they come along. Well, I look forward to it. And we have questions every day, so I'm sure you will, and the public does. And again, 90% of what I'm doing now is education. So, Jeff, thanks a lot for doing this, and I look forward to seeing you again. All right, well, there you go. There's my conversation with Kurt Roth. Hope hope you enjoyed that. Hope you got something out of that. You may not like NIL. You may hate NIL. You may hate the current landscape of college athletics. But if nothing else, I hope this podcast and that conversation gave you a little bit of an understanding of what NIL is what this current landscape of college athletics means for the universities, how it's how it's operating now, how you can get involved if you are interested in getting involved. Um, I still have a lot of questions. I'm, I'm not suggesting by any stretch of the imagination that uh, you should have a full understanding of NIL right now. I certainly don't. A lot of people still have a lot of questions. People in the NIL world, in college athletics, still have a lot of questions about all this because it's so new, still evolving, but... Hope this conversation that I had with Kurt sort of serves serves its purpose as giving you a good foundational understanding of what's going on right now. Hope you enjoy this podcast. Hope you enjoy all the coverage that the Albuquerque Journal is providing, not only on sports, but on all, all matters. And this, depending on when you listen to this, this coming Sunday, of course, in, in the journal will be a, a larger piece, written piece, print product, of course, on Kurt Roth and, and the NIL a lot of coming a lot of it coming from this conversation I just had with him in this podcast. So hope you enjoy that. Let me know what you think on Twitter at Jeff Grammer. Emails ggrammer at abqjournal.com. Let me know what you think about this podcast, about others, about our coverage. Again, until next time, thanks for listening to the Talking Grammar Podcast. <laughs>